For the last couple months, we've been working our way um, through the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. Um, that is typically what we're doing about um, 95, 98% of the time is just working our way through a book. We're going to take a four-week hiatus out of 1 Samuel um, as we do um, Advent this year. So we will pick back up in 1 Samuel the last week of December, first Sunday um, after Christmas. Um, but what we wanted to do was to, to celebrate, um, because Advent is, is doing two things. One is it is celebrating the fact that Jesus has come, right? Like we are looking back going, He has shown up. He has lived the life we were meant to live. He has died the death that we deserved, and He has defeated all of our enemies and is alive today. Like we are celebrating that and that we, we get to begin with the fact of His birth, right? We're celebrating, we're remembering. But Advent, which is Latin for coming, right, is also that we are anticipating the fact that He is coming again, right? That we are not just celebrating one, recover, or one coming, we are, we are looking forward to a second coming where all things will be set right for all time and eternity, right? That we are, we're looking both back and forward. And, and, our, and our desire is, is ultimately that our affection for Jesus would be stirred. Listen, we know this has been a, a strange year. Um, if we ever needed Advent, maybe it's this year. Um, where, where normalcy is just kind of gone, where a lot of the, the emotions and the feelings and the trappings of the season that often kind of drive whether we feel like it's a good Christmas or not um, are just different this year, and that we're having to come to grips with, with what really does anchor us versus what we just are, are feeling or experiencing. Um, 2020 has been unique. Um, just, it's, been, it's been rough in a lot of areas for a lot of different people. And some of you are going, man, that, it's just kind of been my life period to 2020. Y'all are just joining me in this this year, right? But for others, you would have said, hey, it felt like somewhat smooth sailing. And then this year, there's been a collective effect, whether it's been financial, um, whether it's been with, with health, whether it's been um, in, in racial tension, um, government and election, um, in your, your own just normal work relationships, maybe there's been tension. Um, and maybe you've experienced it just a couple days ago on Thanksgiving as you had family around, and it was like, hey, this isn't um, as enjoyable as I hoped it would be, right? Like there's just relational tension, right? That, that, that any of these things could have occurred this year. For many of you, it wasn't just one. It was multitudes of those. Um, and so you would, have, you would attribute to 2020 just a lack of peace, right? Like that you would say, I have not had peace in 2020 um, I, in the ways that I would anticipate, that I would want, that I have come to find to be normal. And yet we know that Scripture says, this is Isaiah 9, we're going to be moving throughout Scripture um, this morning a little different than, than um, usual for us. But this is um, a familiar Christmas passage, Isaiah 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be a Upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and then this last one, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace, right? The increase of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And so we see that the Prince of Peace is coming, and when His peace is established, it will go on forevermore. 
And so maybe we should feel some tension this morning, right? That we would say, hey, there's been a lack of general peace, a collective peace this year, um, that even if you have somehow avoided all the different things that have gone on, that you can look around and say, but most of everybody else hasn't, okay? And yet that Scripture calls Jesus the coming one, right? The Prince of Peace, and upon His peace there will be no end. And so how do we, how do we reconcile these thoughts and these ideas this morning? Because if you remember in, in Luke chapter 2, when the shepherds first arrive, um, and prior to them arriving at the manger, remember the angels had shown up. And what are they, what are they out there in the field singing, right? In verse 14 of chapter 2. The heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom He is pleased. Right? That, that this idea of peace is just woven throughout Scripture. And so I think where we need to start this morning is just to recognize there is a lack of it. Right? That there is a lack of peace. And we can really boil that down to three different categories. First and foremost, there is a lack of peace with humanity and God. Like between us and God, there's, there's a lack of peace. And we, we take this back to the beginning, right in Genesis 3, where, where the fall happens, where, where Adam and Eve rebel against a holy God who had placed them in the garden in perfect harmony with one another, with creation, and with Him. Right? And, and so what we see is that God had created our harmonious, perfect place, and then the lack of peace, right, it's chaos comes in when sin enters. So what we see is that God has intended peace, and instead chaos comes with sin, with rebellion. And so Scripture then would call mankind the enemies of God at this point. Right? That because we've rebelled and sinned, that Adam and Eve, our first father, our first mother did, we're stained by it, but we all continue in that rebellion against the Holy One. So we're not at peace with God. We are actually rebels against Him. We are enemies of Him. And listen, if that language sounds too harsh or too firm, it's because often we see sin too small, right? We take it too lightly. Like the question maybe in your heart is, was like, is rescue really needed? Is it really needed? There was... Um, when I was first learning to swim, I was not very old. Um, we were doing swim lessons at the old Pampa pool. And I remember the first day, the instructor, she's there, and, and, and she was in a sweatsuit. Her plan was not to get in the water that day. We were just kind of going to get familiar with the water. And she was going to have us all in the deep end. And, and we're like four, five, six-year-old kids, right? She goes, hey, step into the water. And as you come up, grab the side, right? Like, you're going to go under, you're going to come up, grab the side. And I'm a little boy, so what I heard was not step in, I heard was jump in, right? I don't know how to swim, but I just, I leap, right? And I remember going, and I'm, I come up, and there's nothing to grab. And everyone else, you know, is kind of bobbing there, they've listened, right? Maybe, maybe Jude does get it from me, right? And <laughs> as, I, as I'm coming up, I go back under, and I have this very vivid image of her. She had a whistle on her neck, and I, could, I mean, I can tell you exactly how she was dressed. And she goes, like rolls her eyes back, her head back, spikes her whistle, and then slowly starts taking off her swimsuit. And I'm thinking, I'm going to drown while you're undressing, right? Like, you are obviously put out with me, 
but I'm about to die, and you are like perturbed, like you're not even going to jump in, like you're making sure, you're just, and, and she, obviously she, she saved me, right? I had a kid one time, she's like, did, did she rescue you? I'm like, yes, I'm still here. Um, so she, she pulls me out. That ended my swim lessons. Like I, I walked out that day, and, and I didn't learn to swim then for years after that. Um, so right in, the, in that moment, I needed legit rescuing. But I want us to compare that with, so with, with the rain, when we have puddles, when that occasionally happens. Jude loves to get trucks out and go play in the puddles, right? And he runs his boats and his trucks through it, making, right? Now, if I ran up to him and goes, Jude, you're going to drown. Get out of the water, right? And start trying to drag him out of it. He's going to look at me like I'm crazy. And he's going to go, wait, wh- there's no danger here. You're making too big of a deal out of this. Let me play. And I think for a lot of us, we view our sin like a puddle. Like I'm safe in it. I'm okay in it. There's not a big need, a big need of rescue. And so the, the idea of the gospel and of Jesus seems a little too much. Like it's a little bit of overkill. But if you've ever nearly drowned, you're like, hey, rescue is a good thing. And yet, if we we're going to be honest, my experience in swim lessons isn't the sort of rescue we need, right? Because our sin is really more like you being out in the ocean, in the middle of the ocean, with no boats around, and in a storm. And if you've ever been around the ocean, it is a powerful, impressive thing. You are talking about a place of no hope, where there are thousands of miles, and there's nowhere to go, and you're out there, and you're going to die, and there is no hope for you. God rescues And so this morning, do we see our sin as a puddle that we can play in and splash in because there's no danger, I'm going to get a little wet, and then I'm going to go about my day, or do we see the need of rescue? And and based on where you're at in that, if you see sin as a minor inconvenience, a little bit of, ah, Jesus, I needed his hand, but that was it, or I needed him to rescue me, right? It's It's going to stir what sort of affection we have for him that we need to understand the reason we have a lack of peace with God is because there was a severe, shattering, significant breaking with our sin and our rebellion towards Him. And because of this significant breaking and shattering, it means we don't only lack peace with God, we lack peace in ourselves, right? And most of us have felt some of this this year, right? With anxiety, with mental health issues, right? The loss of control, even if it was simply perceived control, not actual control. And so maybe in some areas you've had peace, and when you've looked at others who are just losing it, you're, you kind of, it's easy to rail against them. It's like, what's wrong with you? Pull yourself together, right? Like, and then in your area where you lack peace, you're like, but this is a big deal. Don't, don't holler at me. Right? That, that we lack it with God and we lack it in ourselves, and, and it comes out in, in anxiousness, in mental health struggles, lack of control. We also lack it in a third area. We lack it with others. So we lack it with God. We lack it internally, and we lack peace with others. Can you ever right, imagine potentially a more fractured time? Now, I know historically we can find more fractured times, but in our lifetime, right, 2020, we've just seen a polarization of our nation, that basically it doesn't matter where you stand on anything, there's about 50% that think you're a fool. So we can, you want to make this about politics, we can make it about politics, right? It's been a rough year in that regard. You want to make it about masks, we can, we can have that conversation, right? 
right? If, if you want to make it about race and racial tension this year, right, that we, we have seen just a fracturing, a tension that has just permeated every aspect of our culture. And so that we see there is a lack of peace in, in, amongst us in our society, in our culture. We see it in ourselves, and we know that it exists between us and God. So we lack it internally, we lack it outwardly, and we lack it vertically with God. And so maybe you're going, hey, Jeremy, I don't feel any better. Right? Like this isn't, this isn't what I, I need or I want. You're simply dredging up all the difficulty of this year. But there is hope. Because it's not just that we lack peace, it's that peace has been offered. Peace has been offered. And so if we want to start back with God, it has been offered from God to us, right, to restore and to reconcile us to Him. It's received. Listen to what Paul writes in Romans chapter 5. Therefore, in verse 1, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? He's saying we have peace back with God. Right? Why? Because of Jesus. That Jesus' life that He lived that we were supposed to and didn't. His perfect obedience and then His obedient death on our behalf. Right? On behalf of those who don't deserve it. Right? Puts us at peace with God. We have the opportunity to no longer be at war with Him, enemies of Him, but to be adopted sons and daughter in the family. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 2, verse 14. For He Himself, meaning Jesus, is our peace. He has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Right? He, he is our peace. He has put us at peace with God. And then if you turn back to the left to John chapter 14, Verse 27, Jesus speaking to His disciples um, super close to the cross, prior to the cross, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your hearts, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Right? So He says, listen, I'm, I'm giving you peace. I'm giving it to you. And it's not peace like the world offers. How does the world offer peace? It offers it through financial security, right? And if you have enough, if you have enough money in the account, I can, okay, I can breathe. I got, I've got peace. If you have physical health, okay, I'm good. I've got peace, right? If there is um, a lack of political unrest or wars or rumors of wars, then I could, okay, all right, I've got peace, right? That we begin to think through all the things in life. We think of retirement accounts and health and security, and all these things that are like, those are the things that the world offers and goes, if you have this, you'll have peace. And yet we've seen all of those things shook this year. Health, money, politics, all of them have been shook. And so then you find your, your security, your stability, your foundation, if it's not in Christ, right? Like you find your knees moving and you're going, I don't, I don't feel peace anymore. And yet Jesus is telling His disciples, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, and it's not as the world gives peace. We go over to John 16, 33. Jesus, continuing to speak to His disciples, says this, I've said these things to you, that in Me you may have peace. 
but in the world you will have tribulation. Take heart, I've overcome the world. And so what we see is both of these ideas we're talking about, peace and lack of peace, right, are both present in this, that Jesus is saying, I'm giving it to you, I want you to have it. It's different than what the world's going to offer, but guess what, you're still going to have trouble in the world. And so what we find is that we have peace with God because of Jesus, and that His peace circumvents circumstances, right? It is despite our circumstances, we can still have peace. His peace anchors us. It passes all understanding. Because you can have financial lack. You can have poor health. You can have wars, rumors of wars. You can have political unrest. You can have civil war. You can have all sorts of lack of peace in your circumstances and still found yourself rooted and anchored in Jesus. And in that, you would have peace that shocks the world around you. Despite your circumstances. And so what we need to understand today is that the peace that Jesus offers does not mean that all of your circumstances will be peaceful. But it means that your soul can be content and at rest and at peace in Jesus. Right? We'll we'll come back to this. So we can have peace with God has been offered, but also peace within ourselves internally is also offered. Listen to Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Right? Peter would say, you can cast your anxieties upon Him. Verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus. And if you turn over just one book to Colossians 3, verse 15, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Right? It says, let let the Word then dwell within you. So we can have peace in ourselves because Jesus is known as Emmanuel. God with us. Right? A God who has walked this earth, who has suffered and been mocked and ridiculed, who has had political unrest, who has had lies, who didn't have a place to lay his head, who was betrayed, who was beaten, who had a false trial, like all the difficulties that we can imagine in the world poured out upon him. That he understands. And so listen, our call then, how do we have this peace? We trust the promises of God. We trust that he is Emmanuel, God with us. And we lean into truth over emotion. Listen, we tell ourselves what's true in the Word of God. And we allow our hearts and our minds to catch up. Now listen, the the truth of the matter is is that some of the the mental um, health difficulties, some of those things will be a daily struggle for you for the rest of your life. They, They won't go away completely. But there will be a day where you will be restored. And you will be complete and whole and, and just as you were created and intended to be. In the meantime, we trust that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. That His mercy is sufficient. That His grace is new every morning. That He meets us in our struggle and our frailty and our lack. And He sustains us. In our weakness, He is strong and He is sufficient. Church, it's why God gave manna to the to Israel and Exodus, right? As they were fleeing from Egypt. 
He didn't say, hey, store up as much as you can carry, and I'll give you the strength to carry it. As we move through the wilderness, he says, every morning it'll be there. And if you try to hoard it, it's going to rot on you. But guess what? You can trust me that it'll be there tomorrow. That's the call for us this year in 2020 where it feels like we're just getting beat down and you're like, I can't take anymore. Jesus is saying, quit bringing future possibility, future trouble, and being overwhelmed by that. I will give you everything you need for today to sustain you, to give you the grace and the mercy you need. And I guess what? I will do it again in the morning. And then I'll do it again the next day. And the next day, do we trust this about Him, that He understands that He is Emmanuel, God with us. That it is not, His peace is not a promise of a lack of trouble, but that He is with us. Church, we can mistake safety, security, and normalcy with peace. And they are not that. Normalcy is not peace. Safety is not peace. Peace is a, is a heart condition, a soul contentment in Jesus. So we have peace offered with God so that we can be restored, reconciled with Him in His family, adopted sons and daughters. We can have peace internally. And we also are offered peace with others. In Matthew 5, 9, it says, Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. There's, There's a call to action here. It's not just things that we trust and believe and know about God, but there's also action steps. In Romans 12, 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And then listen to James 3, 18. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. We are called to be peacemakers to reflect the character of God, to be ambassadors for His name and His kingdom and His glory. Church, it's important that we remember here that we were once the enemies of God, whom God pursued to bring into the family. As, as, as full heirs, like we, we, we're brought in with all of it, as daughters and sons. We were once enemies, and now we are daughters and sons. So it means right now as you think about those you are frustrated with. right? Maybe it's not people that sit at your Thanksgiving table. Maybe it's not even people. In, but it's, it's those people out there doing that thing that drives me nuts about masks, about politics, about money, about whatever it is. They drive you crazy. And you would say, these are my enemies. Or they, need, they need to change. They need to be different. That the calling upon us, church, is hard. It is to pursue our enemies. And it's to pray for them. And it's to see them brought into the family. Right? Because it's what was done for us that we were the enemies of God. And yet, through Christ's life, his demonstration of his love at the cross, and him beating our enemies, coming alive and being resurrected again, that we are at peace with God, that we are at peace. In ourselves, listen, we have the desire to avoid difficult conversations. We don't want to pursue our enemies. The important thing for us to know here is you're not the source of all peace. You're not the source of all the pursuit. We have that in Jesus. And His flowing waters, His Spirit will equip us to do the hard work. 
to have the hard conversations, to have people laugh in our face, to disagree with us, to bring war when we're trying to bring peace. Because guess what? When Jesus brought peace, He was killed for it. And so suffering is going to be a part of this. It's going to be a difficulty in it. Like our, but listen, what a picture of heaven do we get to be as ambassadors of Jesus taking peace to those who don't deserve it. Grace to those who don't deserve it. Taking love to our enemies. Because we have received that. And if we can see that our home is in heaven, right? that this world is simply a place we're passing through, then it doesn't have to be about our own security. right? Our own comfort. It can be about doing the hard work of holding high Jesus and trusting that He will bring peace in places where there's conflict. And we can run to it. Not because we love conflict. If you love conflict and you want to run to it, you're doing it wrong. Right? But that we are going as agents of peace, ambassadors of the glorious Jesus. Because He is faithful and He is sufficient and He is enough and His Holy Spirit does a work that we can't do. We're not, we're not a good Holy Spirit. And so we are asking God to do this. Like We're not lording over people. We're not mocking them. We're not conniving. We're not trying to manipulate them. We're not trying to win the fight and showing them, see, you needed Jesus. I was smarter and better than you. Like that's, that's not the way we do this. We are asking God to reveal who are we currently at war, at, at war with in our hearts and in our minds. Maybe you know. Maybe you know who just like, makes you grit your teeth. But if you don't, ask God, okay, God, like who right now am I, would I really not want to see your grace given to? Is it a name or is it a type of person? Would you, would you begin to soften my heart towards them? Would I begin to pray for them? And would you begin to give me opportunities to pursue peace with them because, God, you've given it to me and my sin was not a puddle, it's the ocean. I needed rescue. And if you've saved me, you can save them. If you've rescued me, then you can rescue them. So church, we've all been shook this year. Things feel out of control. But let me promise you this, peace isn't 2021 getting here. That doesn't change anything. Peace isn't a vaccine arriving. Right? That doesn't change the lack of peace. Peace isn't in normalcy returning. Like, let's not confuse that. Because if so, if normalcy returns and we miss the peace of God, we've lost. Like, we need something deeper and more significant than normalcy. Instead, would we know and trust and believe as a body of believers that peace instead is found in the one who heals sick and raises the dead and the one who silence, silences the storm and the one who brought upheaval to a political system by not bringing war but by bringing peace and a gospel of good news by the one who knows us intimately and loves you knowing that your sin is an ocean right he demonstrates his love by coming for you as his enemy and making you his, bringing you into the family. You are loved by God, and we see that at the cross. And the God who sins, who gives us purpose and gives us mission to obey Him, to, to reflect Him, His character, to be ambassadors into the world. 
right? That people would see our good works and glorify God in heaven. Church, we light a candle of peace this morning because Jesus is our peace. One final passage. Listen to Second Thessalonians 3.16. Now may the Lord of peace Himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. Church, this is our cry and this is our prayer for this season in the lack of normalcy and the difficulty of all that has gone on, the fact that there was loss and death this week even around our church family. I like that we would say we want the God of peace to give us peace at all times in every way despite the circumstances of this world. That we would be rooted deep in Jesus. Trusting Him. And we know when there's a lack of peace in a relationship, right? You can feel that tension, Right? You know it. And, and the temptation in that moment is to flee from the relationship. It's to pull further away, which creates a bigger chasm and more tension. When we know the, the, the proper thing, the right thing, is to lean into it. Right? So that reconciliation can occur. The church this morning, some of you maybe are finding, I don't have peace with Jesus, and I don't know that I've ever had this peace. May He call your name this morning. Right? Giving you peace that you don't deserve. Right, to rescue you and to bring you into the family. And for those of you who have taken for granted His peace that you have received, you've lost the joy of your salvation, that you would not walk away from Jesus, but you would lean into it. Come back to His Word. Right? Come back to His Spirit. Come back to Him finding peace that will, will give you security and stability despite the world shaking and falling and crumbling around us. Right? That is the peace that is offered now and forever. Isaiah 9, we have peace offered now despite what goes on in the rest of our life. And that peace will go on into eternity because we will be with our King forever. And upon His kingdom and His throne, peace will reign forever. This morning, we are going to stand and sing to our peacemaker. If you need someone to talk to, to pray with, there will be some men and women in the back of the room that would love to do that. You can sit if you need to sit. You can stand if you need to stand. Also, during the next three songs, the Lord's Supper is set up. There's individual cups of, of, with bread and juice in it. You don't have to touch anything other than yours. But if you know Jesus this morning, if you're at peace with Him, would you remind yourself that the reason you're at peace is not your morality, it's not that your attendance this morning, it's the fact that He went to the cross instead of you. And that He's alive today. And so we can take the bread symbolizing His body broken so that yours isn't. And we can drink the juice symbolizing His blood spilt so that yours isn't, knowing that we are at peace and we are ambassadors of peace because of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank You that You are a God of peace. That You give it, that You bring it, and that You call us to be ambassadors of it. God, would we not look to well it up in us, but would we receive it from You through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and through the gift of Your Spirit 
God, would we lean into hard things, not to draw out conflict, but to bring a slice, a picture of heaven, of peace to those who don't deserve it. God, would we never forget that we need it at first as we go forth offering it. Would we give you our affection because you've brought it to us. Lord, would you speak? Would you work? Would you call? Would you save? Would you disciple? In Jesus' name.